In October 2017, Oasis's Wonderwall began inching its way into the top 200 songs streamed on Spotify's platform. For over two years now, the song has been one of the most consistently streamed songs in the world. It's played as often as today's top hits and the likes of Queen's greatest hits. Since its release in 1995, Wonderwall has been covered, parodied, and mocked on a near-daily basis. It is used more often as a punchline than it is as a party starter. It is a song that will ultimately define Oasis's legacy when the history books are written. But before that, before there was Wonderwall, before there was unreconcilable tension between Noel and Liam Gallagher, and before all of that came too fast and too soon, Oasis consisted of five Manchester-born delinquents who dreamed of one day being the biggest band in the world. Definitely Maybe is a battle cry for the working class, an album of grandiose anthems, and an album of hope for a brighter tomorrow. But above all of that, Definitely Maybe is an art school album. And we are back on another episode of Art School Albums. And I feel like with a lot of these episodes, there's a certain aura that these albums create that once you see the title of the episode you know a little bit about where this discussion is going to go but for this band today i have recruited a guest who has passed the art school phase in her career she is now a graduate of an art school and more importantly she's on the right side of history when it comes to this band and that is something that will be discussed as we go on my guest today is caitlin collins caitlin how are you I'm doing well. I'm excited to be here with you on your 21st birthday. That is true. We are. This is a, a birthday spectacular of sorts. Mm-hmm. Because for as sad as this might sound, and I know it's not uh, necessarily looked at in a glowing light by everybody, but truly there is nothing I would rather be doing on my 21st birthday than discussing the band Oasis at length. <laughs> <laughs> I love Oasis. Caitlin is someone who came into my life a few years ago, and I picked up on the fact that she liked Oasis pretty quickly and ever since then I have had such a profound respect for you. Thank you. Because there is something about people our age and that could be anywhere from I would say 16 to 25 even that have a misconception and a preconceived notion about this band Oasis that I do not enjoy. Do you agree with me in that respect? I agree. Yeah. I think... People only think about, like, they're, like, known hits, so, which is mainly Wonderwall. Which is mainly Wonderwall. And they're just like, oh, you know, here's Wonderwall, like, acoustic guitar strumming. No. It's a, a weird thing with Oasis is you could be someone that says, oh, I just like the hits, but that could also be 12 songs. Yeah. Because as we'll discuss with Definitely Maybe, which is the album we're discussing today. It's their, all hits. Their debut record from 1994. There's six singles from this time yeah. period alone. It's insane what they were able to do, and then they follow it up with What's the Story, Morning Glory, which, I mean, that whole album, feels, it feels like one single after another. Mm-hmm. And then after that, things taper off rather quickly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, be Here Now will not be discussed at any point. <laughs> it's not something I want to force myself to listen to. I've done it before, and it's not exactly pleasurable. Mm. But the first two Oasis records, and in particular, definitely, maybe, for me, are Stone Cold Classics. Mm-hmm. I, I, they are just a very specific type of music that I don't always want, but when I want it, I look no further than Oasis in those first two records. But Caitlin, I want to know from you, 
one of the reasons I wanted to have you on this podcast is your music taste makes no sense to me. <laughs> now, I love it, but I need an explanation from you. Who are some of your bands and your people that you're really into right now? At the moment, I'm really back into like early 2000s, like indie. Okay. I've been really like getting into The Strokes lately, which is really sick because they just announced a new album. That is true. I've been listening to a lot of MGMT. I'd say my go-tos are probably Oasis. I do listen to them a lot. Um, And do you venture into the Gallagher solo work at all? I like Liam's. Yeah. Noel just sounds like he's trying too hard. See, we're on the same page already. I, I like this. I hate Noel, man. He gets on my nerves. Um, uh, I like the 1975 a lot, another Manchester group. That is true. Um, And then I, I guess like growing up, my parents were kind of half and half. So I grew up with a lot of grunge, a lot of Britpop from my dad. So like a lot of Nirvana. Um, as I've gotten older, the Stone Roses. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, And then my mom really 90s r&b like swv keith sweat and then from there i love like lauren hill um like the fugees stuff like that i love the fugees so good i don't feel like we're maybe the two people that should be discussing how great the fugees are but let me tell you i love the fugees but you left out one band in that that i don't know why one direction it's not one direction no (laughs) There's nothing wrong with One Direction. I'm not I'm not here to chastise your One Direction fandom because I would be alienating all of my friends at that point because it would be it would be a mean thing to do. Mm-hmm. But there's one band you left at who I'm always fascinated by people our age who are really into this band. Stones. And that is the Rolling Stones. Uh, my favorites. It's not that the Rolling Stones are bad because they're not. I We'll talk about the Beatles in just a little bit. Mm-hmm. I vastly prefer the Rolling Stones to the Beatles because at least with the Rolling Stones, I, to some extent, I think it holds up and I'm interested in their legacy. Whereas with the Beatles, like, I don't know any Beatles songs. I've heard a few, obviously. Yeah. But I'm not interested in the Beatles because I feel like anything interesting that could be said about the Beatles has been said. Right. And I also have this weird complex of, like, I like the music I like. I'm, mm-hmm. I've become the music guy in certain circles. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be the guy that says, you know, the Beatles really aren't that good. Yeah. So I just choose to abstain from listening to them altogether. Well, you because, should say it. Okay. So yeah, is that, you so should say you're it. You're not a Beatles fan. I like the Beatles, but they're just like overrated. You know, like, yes, they were experimental for the times, but I think in comparison to the Rolling Stones, the Stones were way more experimental. Yeah, yeah, for sure. At Maybe least, not yeah. as deep as the Beatles, but, like, especially with, like, some girls. You know, the disco mixed with, like, the Western feel. Like, I don't know. It's just, like, simple experimental. I have found the Rolling Stones in my limited listening of them, because, again, I really only know the hits, but I find mm-hmm. it to be accessible. And uh, although it's definitely not something that I – in, in any immediate rush to dive into their catalog, whenever I hear a Stone song, I'm like, no, this I I get it, they're good, yeah. like I, I I like it. But young people listening to the Rolling Stones has always <laughs> humored me, and I specifically remember going home uh, to my dorm at one point last year. It was the day that Rolling Stone tickets went on sale for Soldier Field, and when I saw it was announced, I was going, 
what idiot is going to that show? I'm that idiot. <laughs> so exactly. So I went home and I gave this whole monologue in the in my living room to my roommates about, you know, the Stones are old, man. Why would anybody go and pay and see this show? Oh, and it's a show at Soldier Field. I bet those views are going to be great. You know, who who was spending $250 on a Rolling Stone ticket in 2019? What an idiot. And then my roommate sitting on the couch and goes, um... I bought tickets to that show. <laughs> then you get on Instagram, you see my story. I'm like, and I bought tickets to that show. And your Instagram is exclusively Harry Styles, 1975, Casey Musgraves, and Rolling Stones content, which I love. That's who I am. But the Rolling Stones, how did you get into them? Um, so when I was 16, I got my first record player. And my was cousin, it a uh, was it a Crosley like suitcase one? I had one of those, but my cousin gave me one of his old ones. Good. He's like massive vinyl collector, only bluegrass though, which <laughs> we're not gonna get into that. <laughs> That's just unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. So he gave me one of his, and uh, I was like going through his collection just to see if there was anything that like why would he have this? And I see an Exile on Main Street by the Stones in there. And I was like, I'm going to take this. Like, he's not listening to this. So I took it. And for a while, it was the only record I had. So I would just play it while I was, like, drawing, stuff like that. And I don't know. It just it just stuck with me. Like, Sweet Virginia is on there, which is one of my favorites. Uh, Let It Loose is on there. It's another good one. Honestly, the, the opening song rocks off. Honestly, one of the best rock and roll songs of all time. Good. Yeah. Good. So we get a little bit of a Stones review on this podcast, which is nice because I think it's time we venture into the Britpop universe and we discuss Oasis. And if you have any early memories of hearing this band, now would be the time to share them. Yeah, absolutely. Oasis has pretty much been with me since I was in the womb. Mm-hmm. Like, they're my dad's favorite band. Really? Yeah. He's seen them like five or six times, I think. Good for him. Um, like front row seats, like full Liam Gallagher sweat. Um, <laughs> Tell me more. That sounds delightful. Yeah. Um, yeah. So they've been with me since, yeah, since the womb. And I just remember growing up and like being in the car with my parents and like my dad, like blasting, like don't look back in anger. Like that's like one of my favorite Oasis songs. And like one of the songs, like I vividly remember from my childhood and Growing up, my dad would always be like, oh, he says it's the greatest rock and roll band of all time. And I'd be like, dad, you don't know what you're talking about. And then I like got in high school. I was like, yeah, dad's right. Like, they slap. <laughs> I I feel like I was into Oasis at a pretty young age. For whatever reason, I have a very specific memory of having the radio on. And I think I was waiting for the bus and uh, Champagne Supernova was the song they, mm-hmm. they played, but they talked up to it, and they were talking about how all of Oasis songs sound like they could be drinks. Like, they yeah. would like to try a Wonderwall or a Champagne <laughs> Supernova, and I thought that was very, very funny and, and clever, mm-hmm. and they were a band that at that point stuck with me to some extent because I liked what I was hearing, and, and like I said at the top of the show, you could be someone that just knows the hits, but again, that's so many songs from there just from these first two records and I feel like for a long time I was operating in that universe of really liking Live Forever and Champagne Supernova and Wonderwall and then two summers ago I got really into Blur just by happenstance I had a friend 
uh, future guest of the show, hopefully Dr. Keith Lipinski. He recommended a Blur album to me. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I got super into Park Life. And then I was like, well, if I'm going to do Park Life, I might as well like really dive into Oasis. And that's exactly what happened. And I spent a summer fully uh, engrossing myself in Britpop, mm-hmm. which was a very enjoyable summer. It was yeah. a really good time. It's a good time. For sure. And definitely maybe was the album that stuck with me as as something that almost clashes with a lot of what I like in music. There's something about Oasis about, quite honestly, how positive they are and how party-centric they are that I typically don't subscribe to in a lot of my music. Yeah. I tend to like more stuff that's a little more sad, uh, maybe a little more insulated. And Oasis is very much music for the people. I mean, you put on this record... And it sounds like it's something that should be heard and it's sung like by, by 20,000 people yeah. all at once. And that's very different for me. But if there's ever going to be a band that has that kind of sound, it's it, the one that I prefer would be Oasis. Definitely. But before we get into this album, I feel like it's worth mentioning. Again, we mentioned it earlier. There's a certain stigma around this band. And a lot of it is... Uh, I guess, contributed to Wonderwall, which is not on this record. It's on the next one, What's the Story, Morning Glory. But I think that's worth mentioning that Definitely Maybe is an album made by working-class people. Right. It's a blue-collar record. The The idea of Oasis becoming A-list celebrities on a global scale seemed rather impossible at this time. And the, the quote that is actually it's one that I've read so much now that's kind of stuck in my head, but it's from the Pitchfork review of Definitely Maybe, in which the writer says, Oasis were terrible at being the best band in the world, but they were amazing at wanting to be the biggest band in the world. And I've always I, I've always liked that because I think Oasis is one of those bands that works best with an underdog story. Definitely. Like you're from Indiana. Yeah. I'm from Indiana. Yes. I have a feeling I I like the Indiana Pacers more than you do, but I could be wrong. I really love Growing the Indiana up, Pacers. I was a big Pacers fan. Who were your guys on the Pacers? Did you have any? Reggie Miller. Okay. All yeah. right. So we're Ride or Die. Yeah, we're in the same universe here. But like I watch the Pacers and they break my heart every single year because they have good teams. Statistically, they are a very successful franchise. Mm-hmm. But I know there's a part of me that until I see them win a championship, I have accepted that they will never win a championship. (laughs) And I'm used to it. And quite honestly, for as much as it hurts, I have seen them lose series that they should have won. I've had hope when I should have been just distraught. There's something fun about it. Yeah. There's, I like the climb. I like the struggle. It's why... This is like my dad with the Colts right now. Exactly. Disappointing. And disappointing. <laughs> Although, for the while, the Colts were very fun to watch this season, and then they <laughs> yeah. got too hurt, and it became a whole other thing. Caitlin and I, obviously, will be starting a sports podcast after this. <laughs> I'll give you the information at the end of the show. But I like the underdog story. I like these these people that almost don't feel right at the top. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they don't look right up there. It doesn't really look comfortable, and... Oasis exploded into superstardom, and I think we see hints of like, oh, these are the top dogs with What's the Story, Morning Glory, but it was really that record that transcended them to be the number one guys in Britpop. They blew past Blur at that point, which is a tough sentence to say. They blew past Blur. They did it, and I did it. I said it twice successfully. I'm proud of you. But anyways, we hear, like we referenced Be Here Now earlier, that is them coked out. They are the kings of the music industry at this point, and it's not good. No. It's a bummer, but with definitely maybe... It's guys wanting it, and they Mm -hmm. want to know what it's like to be on the top of the mountain. 
and it's great. But I don't think people our age understand that. They do not. They are so clouded by Wonderwall and whatever stigma it has around it Mm -hmm. that they ignore this record. Why is Wonderwall so stigmatized the way it is? I think it's just because it's like, like when I think about it, it's kind of like a plain white tees, like, hey there, Delilah, like situation. Like it's just that like acoustic, you know, like classic kind of love song, you know. But it's so good. It's, That's my biggest complaint about it, is Wonderwall is an incredible song. It's good. I'm not going to lie. I've, like, hated it. I think we all older. go through that of, like, I think you have to hate Wonderwall a little bit so you can love it again. Yeah. I feel, I think Wonderwall and Everybody Hurts by R.E.M. have yeah. been so bastardized because, like, Everybody Hurts is now used as a punchline. Like, right. it gets a laugh when you hear that. Oh, oh I definitely the, sing it on Depressed Days. Yeah, yeah, but, like, when you listen to Everybody Hurts in the context of Automatic for the People or even on its own, and if you can move past the visual of the idea of somebody reading a mean tweet at that point, because that's, I think, especially for our generation – where everybody hurts. I think that's where the mind goes to is, oh, it's Jimmy Kimmel's mean tweets. Mm-hmm. But that's a beautiful song and a, an incredibly bold composition. Yeah. But it's used as a punchline. And I feel very similarly about Wonderwall. Like okay. if you stop and listen for a second, it's, it's a really, great song. it's an incredible piece of work. Yeah. But people our age, especially, they get hung up on that and they mm-hmm. fail to explore and it's like Oasis. everyone's like go-to karaoke song and... It's just like it's it's overrated, which is upsetting, and yeah, because it's it is a really good song. It really is, but that is all after definitely maybe. Yeah, we need to start definitely. These maybe. are the hits. These this is prime this is the oasis. Best album. This oh my god yes I I agree. Released August 29th, nineteen ninety four. You were not alive. Released August twenty ninth, nineteen ninety four. You were not alive. No. I was not alive. No. But I feel like this record has been with us, I mean, it makes sense, our entire lives. There's just something that just will not die about Oasis. They will be continued to play on on, on alternative radio until the end of time. 11 songs, 52 minutes. There were six singles from this time period, like I mentioned. Supersonic, Shaker Maker, Live Forever, Cigarettes and Alcohol, and Rock and Roll Star from the album, and then Whatever, the non-album single. Let's just dive into it. Let's hear the opener right now. This is Rock and Roll Star off of Definitely Maybe. That is felt with this song. It's unbelievable. Caitlin, your thoughts on the opener, Rock and Roll Star? It's just like, when I think of, like, British music, like, I immediately think of this song. It's just like, 
so I don't know I love it like I seen Liam Gallagher at the Riv one of my biggest regrets in life is actually not going to that show and I know that sounds ridiculous but I was just having a conversation with someone about how I don't regret the shows I've gone to and the money I've spent I regret the shows I haven't gone to and I don't regret the records I buy and the money I spend on those I I regret leaving certain records at the store and then they're they're gone the next time you saw Liam Gallagher at the Riviera Theater almost well two and a half years ago now how was that show it was amazing he opened up with rock and roll star and I was like second row so basically front row for the riv and of course you have like this group of guys in the center like bucket hats like ready for Liam (laughs) like ready to go fully on board with the Liam Gallagher American Uh, Brits basically (laughs) (laughs) and honestly just like hearing that song like open up the show it was just like so energetic and it's just like it's so happy and like it brings back so many like good memories for me it's not a complex song and that's most of this record is you listen to it and I was I was as I was preparing for the show I was thinking like well like there's not a ton of Oasis lyrics that I like live and die by right there's not a ton of aesthetic choices that Oasis makes I'm like oh my god these guys are the coolest but there was an undeniable cool yeah. to this band and it's so present on this song in it's particular just classic British rock which that's not like 70s which thank god yeah. Who are your British bands? Because I know you like the 1975. We're obviously here talking about Oasis. Are there any other bands from that region, or I guess that country, even Manchester specifically, that you're super into? Yeah, I mean, um, I like the Stone Roses. Um, Still not too deep into them, but I'm getting there. I like Blur. I went through the whole Park Life album phase. That's a good time. Um, I love Joy Division, another Manchester band. Where Um, Where do you stand on New Order? Love New Order. Okay. Yeah. Sometimes. I like New Order. I definitely I would do not say love I love them. them. Yeah. yeah. I really like the song by them. It's called Your Silent Face. Okay. And it's like, it's not like a dance song or anything, but the lyrics to it are really good. Really emo. For sure. Yeah. I I bring him up on every podcast. Mm-hmm. This is not new. Okay. But I feel like you in particular have a special relationship with my Morrissey fandom. <laughs> Because you once watched me give an eight-minute presentation to our public speaking class about how much I love the Smiths. About how much you love the Smiths, yes. (laughs) Uh, A class that is honestly one of the high points of my college experience so Mm -hmm. far. Because I had a dude that used to hit on me in that class. (laughs) It was very uncomfortable. Uh, Not because he We're not naming any names. I don't remember his name, quite honestly. (laughs) And it's not like they were like unwanted physical advances, but I just, I remember I was wearing a pair of New Balances one day, my sneaker of choice. And he comes up to me, he's like, hey, man, those shoes, like, I've never seen anything so like sick. that before. Like, so sick. And I was like, you've never seen a pair of New Balances before? <laughs> it's like, no, I've never seen anything like that. And then, like, he was like, he was a close talker, just mm-hmm. always close to me. But again, I felt like he had this weird infatuation with me. Maybe I'm projecting. but No, he, you're absolutely correct. He really liked what I brought to the table. I feel like in that class, me and you were, like, the cool kids for as cool as you can be in a public speaking exactly. class because i think i think we saw very quickly like oh yeah not our people no <laughs> a lot of a lot of gamers in that class mm-hmm. just run by a professor who once tried to cast me in a play about the intersecting lives of Marvin Gaye and Tupac <laughs> I don't know if I've ever told you that story before. I didn't know he tried to cast you. Yeah. I didn't even know 
Were you interested? No. Well, <laughs> I, it took a lot to get the information as to what it was out of me. He's like, hey, Case, uh, I heard you're trying to be an actor. Do you want to be in my play? And that was through an email. It's like, hey, man, can I have any more info on this? Just come Not a very straightforward guy. Not a very straightforward guy. Um, so I asked for basic info to this play, such as commitment time, when is when is the audition, what is the play about, mm-hmm. and all I get back is a link to his website, and it's uh, the logo of a t-shirt that he would wear very often about the intersecting lives of Marvin Gaye and Tupac, and I just don't know where I fit into that, <laughs> yeah. or where whatever character I play would fit into that. Also, what vibe did you give off in class that... I, I showed up on time, <laughs> and I was very good at what I did, because I... You're not wrong. Well, it's a public speaking class. Yeah, I mean... you're great. Come on. Yeah. That's kind of my thing. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of my thing. But track... Oh, I was talking about Morrissey for a second. Where yes. Do you like the Smiths? That was my big build-up yeah. to that question. I started listening to the Smiths when I was in eighth grade, so I was like 13. Good time to start. I remember every day on the way to school, I would listen to Pretty Girls Make Graves. Nice. Yeah, that was like my go-to That's a great song. song. Yeah. I like the Smiths. Don't really like Morrissey, (laughs) but I'll listen to the Smiths. 500 Days of Summer, you know, it's a classic Smith song in there. Oh, that is, that is lovely. Let's move on to track two. (laughs) This is Shaker Maker. Shaker Maker was another one of these six singles from around this time period. Caitlin, where do you stand on track two? I love the lead up from Rock and Roll Star into Shaker Maker because it's like he's established himself, you know. And then Shaker Makers, Shake Along With Me, you know. I don't know. I feel like it just pops off after Rock and Roll Star. It certainly slaps to an extent. It pops off. Yeah. It bops. Yeah. But... When we talk about the pantheon of Oasis songs, which starts at definitely maybe and ends at what's the, what's the story, Morning mm-hmm. Glory, this is one of the few it's not songs. A it's not uh, from from those two records. It's very rare to have any sort of miss because they are really batting at such an incredibly high average of of great songs of of not even catchy or good or fun, but just great songs. I don't think Shaker Maker is one of them. No, I mean it's definitely not like up there in their top hits but it is good i like it on this album and i like it following rock and roll star i can listen to it in the context of this record but if it comes on on shuffle i don't i don't like it as a standalone song you have to listen to it with the whole album i agree yeah when we talk about the pantheon of great oasis songs i do think track number three fits up there let's hear that now this is live forever arguably the best oasis song of all time maybe I don't really wanna know how you got in girls Cause I just wanna fly lately Did you ever feel the pain in the morning rain? I just 
Say what you want about Oasis. You don't have to like Wonderwall. You don't even have to like. But the you band. have to like this song. This is an undeniably great song. I I think this was the first Oasis song I heard because I believe, and I could be wrong, but I believe this was on a rock band at some point. And if not a rock band, before DLC was super prevalent in video games, mm-hmm. I just made fun of gamers, and now I'm saying DLC. <laughs> they they used to do like twenty dollar like here's. 20 songs mm-hmm. um and it was like on a disc but it was like a bonus and i think live forever was on one of those and that was my introduction to this but it is i, I am just in love with this song and no gallagher wrote it when he was working as a construction worker he had some downtime he wrote it in like five minutes it's it's absurd what he was capable of doing at this time and like we talked about earlier, I think Liam's output as a as a solo artist has vastly surpassed his of, of Noel. But it is one of those not to go back to him, but it's it's almost one of those Morrissey Marr relationships where, for as good as either of their solo stuff can be, mm-hmm. the magic is those two together because yeah. I think they complement each other so well. Yeah, and for these guys, it makes sense they're brothers. Yeah, but I live forever. If it's not the best Oasis song, it's in the top three. Yeah. It's a beautiful, beautiful song. And it's one of those that is very uplifting. And if you look at the landscape of music in 1994, we're a few months removed from Kurt Cobain killing himself. We're in the thick of grunge right now. And everything is is death. And it's hard drug use. Emo. And it's It's emo in that, like... There's just this doom and gloom that surrounds it. And, and if it's hard drug use, it's more about addiction than it is about the good times. Every, yeah. Everything's on the come down. Yeah. And Live Forever is uplifting and optimistic. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful. And it was a complete <clears throat> change of whatever was happening in the scene of the time. And, and I just, it, it is a song that I think will live forever. Whereas you can make your jokes about Wonderwall and... You can have a whole bar of people singing Don't Look Back in Anger, mm-hmm. which I understand is something that happens from time to time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I saw a tweet about it once. <laughs> but the fact is, I think Live Forever, it's just so accessible and so bold and so brilliant. But again, like, I don't have a favorite lyric from this song. No. It just exists as, simply put, rock and roll music. Yeah. And it works. Yeah. I feel like it's definitely, like, especially after everything that's happened in Manchester, it's like... The Song of there's any song on this record that I think shows off just the incredible voice capability that Liam Gallagher had at this point, and if you haven't 
I'm, I'm sure most people have it because they have lives and they have friends <clears throat> and they have all of this stuff going on that isn't hosting a music podcast. But if you haven't heard Oasis live sets from 93, 94, 95. Amazing. And, and you like this album, you're doing yourself a disservice because the live voice that, that Liam Gallagher was able to have is so unbelievably great. And there's specifically, we're doing this in Chicago, there is a set from the Metro in 1994, yes. pro shot, broadcast for TV, soundboard quality audio. It is Oasis at their very best because all they, they just play this album. I think they play every song from this album and then they close with I Am The Walrus, which is a Beatles cover, which I do not listen to because I, I don't enjoy that as an encore. That cover though? I like when they did Come On, Feel The Noise as an encore because okay. I find that to be, first of all, very funny that they did yeah. that, but it's also like I'm listening to them like, no, this is good. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know why, but this is good. But Up In The Sky... It's uh, it's Liam Gallagher's voice almost showing off to an extent. Do you agree? Yeah, I like that you brought that up because one of the things I was going to say is I love Liam's high notes in this song. Like, it's just so smooth, so good. Like, I would have loved to have heard this live. Like, yeah, this record came. for sure. And it's it exists as an album track. I mean, it's the, I think it's the perfect kind of up-tempo move from Definitely. Live Forever. It's sequenced great. I think this whole album is sequenced great. Mm-hmm. I think things go down a little bit with this next song and I think you agree this is track five this is Columbia skipper it's not great no there's something about columbia that for whatever reason it is we talked about shaker maker and how like i think we both really like it in the context of the record but if we're, we're not going to listen to it if it comes on shuffle right this is one even if i'm listening to the album digitally sometimes i hit the arrow it's a skipper sometimes i'm not into it and what's crazy is like people that are like actual diehard oasis fans love this song it was the first song that noel wrote for the band yeah and Bonehead... Well, thank the, God it went up from there. Thank God it went up from there. <laughs> Bonehead, the rhythm guitarist at the time, who played on this record, he played on What's the Story of Morning Glory, he says it's perhaps their best song, and it's his favorite song. That's an absolute lie. I don't get it. No. I don't get it's it. Especially, good. Especially when the song that follows this is what it is, mm-hmm. and we're now talking about the best Oasis songs of all time. Yeah. Bonehead's looking like a bonehead. Yeah. That's what I have to say about that, because this is super sonic. This is track six off of Definitely Maybe. I need to be Can I ride with you in your BMW? 
the debut single from Definitely Maybe. This is how Oasis were really thrust into the world. And although they're not reinventing the wheel, because it's a pretty straightforward rock song, Mm -hmm. the guitars are there and they're loud, but at least to my untrained ear, I don't think they're doing anything vastly different. Right. But I have never heard a song like this before. It's like, for me, it's like top five best rock and roll songs of all time. I love it. And the lyrics are complete nonsense of, yeah. I mean, if you if you just scroll through them as you're listening, uh, he sits in, you know, he lives under a waterfall. Nobody can see him. Nobody can ever hear him call. I mean, there's just so much stuff where it's just like, I, it's, I'm sure you could say it's metaphorical, but it mm-hmm. doesn't really strike any sort of artistic message with me as a personal listener. Yeah. But I also, when I listen to this, it takes me on some sort of like, sonic journey like exactly. I, I i don't know the people but i know i think what i'm supposed to feel when i hear this song yeah which is you know master musicianship if anything but yeah it's beautiful i think the combination of the instrumentals and then just the way liam delivers the lines it's just so good perfect walking song by the way perfect I listen to walking it a lot song. after work good yeah good it's a good pick me up i how do i want to phrase this I love Liam Gallagher so much. Me too. He is so cool. Yeah. And I don't totally know why, but I listen to a song like this and I'm prepared to uh, march into battle with him. Exactly. There's this um there's this performance they did, right? It's like their very first TV performance, I think. And like Liam, they're doing the song and like Liam is like filming the crowd and he just looks he just looks so cool, man. And There's, his voice, top notch. It's unreal. And uh, when we talk about early Oasis performances, I don't know if you've seen this one, but they did an in-studio segment on a show called MTV's Most Wanted in 94, and they played Live Forever and Whatever. Mm-hmm. And they did them acoustically uh, with Noel on acoustic guitar, Liam singing, and Bonehead on the piano. And they're very stripped down. They're very simple. And if there's one example of like, oh, here's Liam Gallagher at his very best it's it's that performance because his voice is so raw and so young and this is before he really abused his his entire body quite honestly with his lifestyle because he was in the biggest band of the world at one point and that tends to happen not blaming him i think if you're the biggest (laughs) band of the world you kind of have every right yeah to an extent treat yourself (laughs) exactly and oasis treated themselves for many years yeah (laughs) to a fault yeah but here you hear supersonic and i I just think it's a cool song. It I is. just like this, and I just like the sound. And at least for me, track seven, Bring It On Down, I the this last bring half of the record. Bring it on down. Bring it on down to a downer. Oh, I don't like interesting. Well, let's hear a little <laughs> bit of it now. on down is track seven i love this song i take it you do not from the disgusted look you have on your face right now it's just not 
my favorite. Like, it's the same as Columbia. Like, I'll listen to it, listening to the album in full. But, like, I'm going to skip it if it comes on shuffle. So I think this song, more than any other song on the record, with the exception of maybe one, but really this song is closer to what I think I would typically listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a certain edge to this song that I feel like they're borrowing elements of punk rock. Yeah, definitely, especially whereas, with the intro. For sure. Whereas a lot of this record is is closer to 60s or 70s rock and roll, which is stuff that I'm not very into. Uh, now, most people are. Mm-hmm. Um I was just telling someone over the weekend how much I hate Pink Floyd and how awful I think they are. And I, I almost made this girl cry, I think. And I wasn't being like, I wasn't being Jack Black and high fidelity. Like, I wasn't being yeah. a dick about it. Right. But I, she asked me, she was just like rattling off bands, asking me these questions. And she got to Pink Floyd. I was like, I looked at her. I was like, Pink Floyd sucks. <laughs> They're very overrated. Took me a long time to get into them. I have my favorite albums from them. But then there's some stuff where I'm like, my brain is melting. This yeah, isn't good. I, I, I yeah. just don't connect to that. But one of the things that I find fascinating about Bring It On Down is I like a lot of music that could be skewed towards violence. I think, and it's unfair, but hardcore punk is often associated with violence, mm-hmm. although I think, for the most part, bands that matter in that scene that have any sort of sway or are relevant in any extent have done their best to say, actually, we're not, we're not violent people. This is just the way... We express ourselves and we do our best to make sure nobody gets hurt. Yeah. This this is a song of, of anger and it's a song, especially, and this is the one Oasis lyric, I think, from this record that I really subscribe to um, in the chorus where they say, you know, you think they'll be talking about you, but you don't know who. I'll be scraping their lives from the sole of my shoe tonight. This is very you. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. Would you like to expand on how it's me just because I'm curious? It, I mean, it's definitely got those like pop punk elements. Yeah. You're very into like DIY scene. Very like, much so. That's, I feel like that's you. Yeah. And it's, it's nice to hear from Oasis because they obviously have at least some sort of influence growing up in Manchester. I think I would at least think if you're musicians, you would be exposed to that sound a little bit, but they've never tried to be a punk band. They've never... Uh, repped their ethics on their mm-hmm. sleeve. That's not who they are. But to hear a song like this, given not how bloated this record is, but just how big, and again, we talked about it, it's like stadium rock. Right. To hear a song like this, I'm very into it. Your favorite? Yes. Really? For a while, yeah, it was definitely my number one. Thinking about it, it's probably still my number one. Why? I well, I shouldn't say it like why. Yeah. But it's not my favorite. Really? No, but go ahead. I want to. I want to speak your truth on this one. It's just like one of those cool, rebellious songs you hear when you're a teenager. I heard Liam perform this live, and it's just so good. I when I was 
like in high school, I got really into this show called My Mad Fat Diary. Okay. Takes place in England. And there's this episode, they're all traveling to go see an Oasis show. And this like song is like them as they're like driving to the show. I don't know. It's just such a cool scene. And to see like just all those teenagers like bonding over this song. I like this song, despite the fact that it very much goes against my straight edge mentality, (laughs) which is not, it's not why I I don't love this song. Mm -hmm. I can look past it. I'm a human in the world. I understand that people are making decisions that I might not agree with, but that is fine. (laughs) It's my my own personal journey. It's not for anybody else. It's for me. I like this song, but when I think we're talking about favorites, I think this next song is is where I stand when we talk about our favorite Oasis songs of all time. days of our lives the lives we're living right now mm-hmm. this could be it i hope it's not but mm-hmm. this could be our peak but as time goes on to me this remains the best oasis song yeah i kind of take back my last did you change your mind now i yeah i love this song i'm very persuasive i'm really I remember well i remember you posted this song on your instagram story and i do you, i remember where i was i was at the las vegas international airport <laughs> and i was this was this was the Brit pop summer for me, and mm-hmm. that day specifically, I was going through Park Life, I was going through Oasis, and not a Brit pop band, but an Athens band, which I feel like is almost the American equivalent of like the Manchester scene, and mm-hmm. are all of the bands that have come out of Athens, Georgia. And I was listening to Ten Thousand Maniacs in my tribe. Ah, uh, yeah. Why I remember that I was listening to those three albums on the plane that day, I do not know. Mm-hmm. I kind of hate myself for it because that's information that I should not have. I should be focusing on bigger issues. <laughs> but yes. I posted this song on my Instagram story and you reached out to me to tell me how much you loved this song. Yes, I did. And rightfully so. Yeah, it's a good because song. Because it's so good. And it's more of Oasis singing about nonsense. I mean, this song is built around the idea of hanging out and eating lasagna. Yeah. Which I like. I mean, I like lasagna. But it's also, it could also be like a really great love song. Oh, I completely agree. The last agree. three songs on this record, great love songs. Great love songs. And I think, I think we can build these three songs great point i think we can build them almost into a trilogy let's hear track 10 this is slide away off of definitely maybe
feel like this was another one that we really bonded over. This is the best in our Instagram well, words. I think, I think there is a definitive point where you go if you're an Oasis fan from liking the hits to diving into the deeper tracks, and this is the song that if I mean if you if you really like Oasis, mm-hmm. this is your song. Yeah, and rightfully so. Definitely. Because whereas I think Dixie's Dinner is. Uh, in a weird way, almost a beautiful love song. This one can be kind of heartbreaking, yeah. or it depends on on how you look at it. Mm-hmm. Because it can be a great like, no, like we are a rock. This is our foundation. This is our song. Or it can be things are fragmenting and we're we're slipping away from one another. But either way, it is an incredible song. It is six minutes and thirty two seconds, and it's a beautiful six minutes and thirty two seconds. I have to agree, and. I am someone who typically detests songs over five minutes long. Mm-hmm. I do not enjoy long music. It has been discussed on this program. <laughs> I think if your song is over five minutes, it typically doesn't need to be. Yeah. It could be cut to 430, and exactly. I would I would love it. This song is 632, and I really would not lose a second of it, yeah. which is very high praise. Yeah. It's amazing. It's, it's amazing. And just like that, we're at the end of the record. This is track 11. This is the final song off of Definitely Maybe. We blew through this because all of these songs are so good. Hits. They're just It's just hit after hit after hit. And with Oasis, again, there's no lyrics that I feel like really need to be looked at and examined because it is a giant, explosive-sounding record through 10 songs. And then the 11th, takes a, a very different turn and we'll hear that now this is married with children there's no need for you to say you're sorry goodbye i'm going home i don't care no more so don't you worry goodbye i'm going home i hate the way that even though you What an absolute gut punch yeah. to win the record. I love it. It's so quiet. And it could be like a really sad love song, or it could just be like, I hate you, but like you're my best friend. Like, it's so good. It's, I think one of the great things that Oasis did, and I obviously think it contributes to the mass popularity that they had and that they still have to some extent, but it's a very humanizing song. Yeah. And I think a lot of this record no matter what class or generation it was made by or is meant to be played by everyone can relate to there this. is a a humanizing factor to it that i think will continue to live on mm-hmm. and this is one of those songs and and i really love liam gallagher's voice accompanied by an acoustic guitar yeah and that's very odd for me to say <laughs> i mean yeah. i i you know enjoy my fair share of folk music and i and i like acoustic guitars obviously because that would be a weird thing not to like but we hear all of these loud oasis songs and it continues into the next record as well but there's something about him when he's when he's calm when he's you know the the signature liam gallagher stand there with the microphone with the with the hands behind the back Mm -hmm. i feel like there's a power to him sitting down and relaxing and singing super vulnerable and it's it almost sounds dumb because again these oasis shows it's him standing there behind the microphone the entire time but when you see him perform in any sort of different arrangement like if he's sitting down 
it's very powerful. And I don't entirely know why. I think it's uh, purposeful. I think yeah. he does that for a reason. And I think it's masterful, quite honestly. Yeah, that's like... I kind of like that you said that because like even when Liam is just standing at the microphone singing you know something like rock and roll star he's only up there for the crowd and even that in itself is so vulnerable and like that's all he cares about it's amazing that this is what ends the record I think it's a very bold move given just how loud the first 10 songs are and then to flip into something that is completely different very bold move but I like it I think Something that that loses me with a lot of albums is bands that will try to make a statement with their last song. You know, yeah. And at some point, uh, you know, they they lose me because I I do think there's an element of like trying too hard. It's just like that on... giant buildup. You don't need that at the end. No, but with this, I think it works. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So that's that's the end of the record. That is Oasis. Definitely, maybe eleven songs, fifty-two minutes. Just for some context, Rolling Stone gave this a 4.5 out of 5 upon its initial release. The NME gave this a 9 out of 10. And Pitchfork, when they reviewed the reissued and remastered version of this record in 2014, gave it an 8.8 out of 10. Caitlin, out of 10, where is definitely maybe falling for you? Definitely like 9.5. Yeah. Because every song is so good even the ones that i skid i think i'm at a nine out of ten with this because although there are two songs that i don't particularly mesh with that being shaker maker and columbia Mm -hmm. the other stuff is so strong i mean we're sitting here listening to it and thinking like oh no this is our favorite oasis song and then i'll play a song two two songs later it's like no i i think it's this one actually because any record that can have a song as good as say rock and roll star on it is a baseline good record Mm -hmm. and that's off of the strength of one song but then to have rock and roll star and live forever and up in the sky and supersonic and cigarettes and alcohol digsy's dinner slide away married with children i mean Mm -hmm. those are seven of the songs right there it's like oh my god this this reads like a greatest hits record more than anything it's unbelievable the quality of this i'm at about a nine out of Mm ten which is no disrespect on that that half point lower than you (laughs) it's just where i feel comfortable rating this record so caitlin who needs to hear oasis is definitely maybe i think young people today that are definitely into like the new age british scene you know like bands like the 1975 like slow tie things like that i feel like they would really enjoy it to be honest i completely agree i think it's something that every once in a while you need to feel recharged by yeah this is if you are in a a life rut if you Mm -hmm. are kind of unsure of what your next move is yeah i'm not saying listen to oasis to make a life decision right bad idea (laughs) yeah but i think oasis can help inspire that life decision exactly and they're just fun records like there's Especially, like, the first two. We're not going to talk about Be Here Now. Oh, God, no. And then I really like Don't Believe the Truth. Really? Yeah, I think that is also a good life album. That is something that I have heard from other mm-hmm. Oasis fans is, you know, like, I tap out after the first two. Yeah. Because I've, I've, I've listened to Be Here Now, and then I've dipped my toes into the water of the other records, and I've gone, well, it's just not it's just not the same. And I yeah. unfortunately think most of the world did that. But I will have to dive a little deeper and give that another chance but there is something magical about the first two oasis records that is Mm -hmm. is really hard to beat i think when we talk about going back to back like this uh i think there are very few bands that can say they have put out two records 
on this level back-to-back. The first one that comes to mind is R.E.M. with their first record, Murmur, and then Reckoning coming after that. R.E.M. probably did it a few times in their career, but I also think R.E.M. is the greatest American band of all time. See, I don't know that much about R.E.M. My dad, huge fan. Yeah. I only know the hits. Okay, and R.E.M., one of those bands where you say you know the hits, that could be 10 different songs. I'm not exactly, I'm not sure what exactly that is, but typically... Every R.E.M. song is a good song. That's yeah. kind of been my policy on it. I do it. love Michael Stipe as a person. Michael Stipe is a great human who, uh, yeah, Michael Stipe is a great human. Yeah. That's that's all I have to say about that. Caitlin Collins, you are also a great human. Thank you. And I would like to give you the opportunity to plug whatever you need to plug right now. Um, you can follow my art Instagram, ccollins.art. You can follow my Twitter, it's little Caitlin. My other Instagram, it's little Caitlin. <laughs> Hit me up. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Caitlin, thank you for joining us on the podcast. This was a blast. And this was a breeze to do. This was so much fun. It was so easy. So easy because that's that's what Oasis is all about. Yeah. We didn't have to put a lot of thought into this. We didn't have to dissect their words or our lives. We just got to sit here and listen to some good music. It was a good time. we relived our speech trauma. Our speech trauma was relived. That's a very good point. Uh, for a less traumatic experience, you can follow this podcast at Art School Albums on Instagram. You can find me on the same platform and on Twitter at underscore Caselow. That is C-A-S-E-L-O-W-E. And until next time, I thank you for listening to Art School Albums. This has been Oasis. Definitely maybe.